Hi, I'm Rob Vanstone, and welcome to the 73rd edition of the Leader Post Rider Rumblings <laughs> podcast. If I sound a little hoarse, I'm trying to fight off a chest cold. So, Murray will do a soliloquy for the next 40 minutes. Murray McCormick, our esteemed football writer. Nay, uh, nay, you don't have a horse cold. Oh, goodness. Uh Is it started already? We're in a new room. Try to rein in my humor. Uh, Sorry. The the naysayers are out there already. The new room is the main event. We have a... (laughs) We've got a new room. It's it's suitably gray, like its uh, occupants right now, the exception being the young producer, Mark Melnichuk. It's our 73rd edition of the Rider Rumbling Podcast, and each week we uh, pick a corresponding rider uniform number or numbers from today or yesteryear. And uh, so number 73, Gordon Sturtridge, who was killed in the Mount Slessy uh, air disaster in uh, December of 1956. Number 73, Gordon Sturtridge. So we honor him today, as have the Rough Riders, by retiring his number, as they did for number 40, Mel Beckett. Number 55, Mario DeMarco. And number 56, Ray Cernick, who also died in the car, in the the plane crash. So that little tidbit means I don't have to look it up on the team. There's no 73s on the team. So there has not been a 73 since 1956 because they retired. I can tell you that 63 years off the top of my bald head. So um, one pretty monstrous story in Ryderville. I don't think it's a huge surprise because I think both sides wanted to get this done from the beginning. And and that was made pretty clear. Uh, Cody Fajardo with a new, new contract, an extension carrying through the 2021 CFL season. Why on, why on election day, though? Can we just, I don't know, you got to announce it sometimes, but here's an election. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're both hoping to live through yes. the, for the duration of this podcast. Regardless, it we is have on election phlegm. day, maybe, because you and I were discussing maybe a bit to hide something, maybe some bad news. Instead, this is a good news announcement that, I guess, it doesn't matter, it got the same reaction for everyone else, and we're all in favor. I think it addresses so many concerns. First off, it makes life a little easier for Cody. Doesn't have to answer the free agent questions for the remainder of the season. Secondly, it gives a rider stability at a quarterback position for a couple of years and probably longer than that. And thirdly, they've got a great quarterback locked up for a while. And I know that's all tied into it, but I don't think he was going to go anywhere else. I really think that no other team was going to be able to offer what the riders, and you've written about it many times, there's no other team in the league could offer what the riders offer Cody. And if he's making in the 440 to 450 range, I think that's what he deserves. I don't think he's a seven hundred thousand a year quarterback. He's not a five hundred thousand. The going rate is about four hundred thousand for good quarterbacks. I think if he'd wanted to push it to five hundred via free agency, he could have gotten that. Yeah. But where would he have ended up? Ottawa, Toronto. You're starting over again. Yeah, and I, and he made it very clear from the outset that he didn't want that. Um, I think of anything, the Rough Riders got a bargain here. If you look yeah. at what the premier quarterbacks are making in the Canadian Football League, and you look at the way he's playing, he is a premier quarterback, and I think he has to be in the conversation for most outstanding player. Yeah. I think he's in that top five. So when you're talking of a, of, about a player in that echelon, and the, when you consider the remuneration that the elite quarterbacks are are making, are receiving, I think he's underpaid. I think the Rough Riders got a great deal yeah. here. Obviously... Cody Fajardo, there won't be any tag days for him making that kind of money. Nope. Even what he's making now is is a lot but more I'm than the average person makes. I'm surprised it was a little makes, bump in his salary for this year, though. You know, it doesn't well, seem to, I, how do you work that into the cap? Yeah, I know. That but, becomes but a problem. But they don't have Zach Claris' salary hanging around. No, anymore. but they paid him 170 up front. Yeah. So that was still on the books. And they've, they're still, they still made Micah Johnson the highest paid defensive player yeah. in the league. But still, don't you they're just still think... playing, paying Brendan Labatt over 200 grand. Yeah. So they got some money that, uh, although that, that money was cap shielded for a lot of the year. Yeah, so I just I kind of thought he might get a little bump this year. 
just to kind of bring him up to maybe the idea of a premier quarterback. But that's fine. He was it's his contract. He's happy with what he's got. It's tough to do it this time of year when you've yeah. made your plans for yeah. for twenty nineteen and you're trying to stay within a cap and try to win a great cup that this year and all of a sudden you're adding five probably not six, but five figures five to the figures. cap tab for twenty nineteen. And he's all about and we Craig has mentioned Dickinson's just team above self and he's not putting himself above the team. And he, he mentioned it a number of times, number of times yesterday that you know, he appreciates his teammates. It's not just him that's earned this new contract and the money, even though it's him that earned this new contract and the new money. But I like that fact that he kept mentioning his teammates and kept mentioning the franchise and mentioning the community. He really said everything right, but not – sometimes you've heard the right and it hasn't been genuine, and this was the right stuff, and it's a genuine from the heart. Yeah, everything Cody Fajardo has said has been genuine. Sometimes yeah. you hear the right stuff from other – other people, and you can tell that it's as disingenuous as can yeah. be. But for he just is absolutely a genuine yeah. person. Even if the, you know, and we've talked about the religious stuff too. And you and I both, neither and you and I are very religious, but and we tend to stay away from that just because it seems to be some part. But he, he uses it's very part of him. It's, his faith is very important to him, and that's that's cool too. And it's everything about him. It's a great signing, and I think you know the Riders are going to be settled for a couple of years and. Now he's just got to maybe slide a little more. <laughs> and there's, you know, it's, I've heard a few people say that there's a risk here and that he's only played or started 15 games in the Canadian Absolutely. Football League. It's a lot less of a risk to pay Cody Fajardo somewhere in the 400s than it was to pay Zach Kalaros that money. Yeah. If you're willing to pay Zach Kalaros $430,000, which he made last year, I think for throwing nine touchdown passes and 13 interceptions, if Cody Fajardo and his agent wanted to go to the wall on this, they could have said, okay. This is what you paid that guy who hadn't had a good year since 2015, yep. and look what you got. So why can't we get 500? Why can't we get 550? If they really wanted to push this and play hardball and extract every cent out of this franchise, they could have. Yeah, and, they, and, and, and that's and what credit, credit so. to them for, for yeah. putting team so. above self. You know that the money is about it's about the money. It's yeah. professional sports. It's not amateur sports. But Cody still has this sort of attitude that it's like an amateur sport thing. It's the team first and all for one and that stuff. And you know we'll find out when we talk to the players a little, little later, a little later that how they think about this, what this thing, what it means for this team. And I, I Jeremy O'Day made another good statement yesterday, and that's what I felt since this season started. It's not about the 2020 Great Cup. It's 19. It's 19 right now. It's about doing everything they can to win now and see what and build of course building towards 2020 but it's still about this season and i think we have to give jeremy o'day incredible credit for what he's accomplished this year of all the free agents he signed the only i don't know if fair to call it zach a dud the only bust was zach Kolaris, if you look at all the guys he's brought into this team i think I, I i mean they got three plays out of him yeah. And they knew he was fragile. And they, so, they, so. so there was one. They took a gamble and lost. But you think William Powell. Michael but Johnson, they covered themselves by signing they, Cody Fajardo. Yes. So they did that. So Mike, William Powell, going to be a 1,000-yard rusher twice. It already has been. Has been. That's a strange play. Funny, because you mentioned this. They didn't announce anything in the press box, anything that he was 1,000 yards or anything like that. He was just rolling up. The Is there anybody in the press box other than you in Nobody, Vancouver? There were three working media that I could count. Really? Three. And that's what CP, Ed Willis, myself. How many empty seats is that? I've never been in the press box. It's absolutely. I remember, and I, I mentioned this a couple of times, being in that press box, and it was full. Like, not full, but jammed with lots of people. And I'm looking around, and I have three people. And even at the media availability, there was you know, CP, myself, and CFL.ca for the media availability. Like, if BC isn't winning, they don't exist. 
the BC is winning, it's a bit of a push a, sometimes. Just a, yeah, it's just so sad to say because it's. I was going to mention this. They put on an amazing game product. It, they had a DJ. The music is loud and bumping and modern and not. <clears throat> The riders lean a little bit too heavy on country, even for a guy who likes country on my yeah. my, my taste. <laughs> I know, and I don't. I like blues, Rob. You know, blues and rock and roll. But uh, and blues is there's so much jazz in blues, I know so is, yeah. we can talk about that later. But the the Lions put on a great game day show. Lots of music, lots of dancing, lots of noise, pumped in noise maybe. But so I'm looking around, wondering, and the people are having a blast. The people that were there, the eighteen thousand, were having fun. So. So that's kind of like what I've said about Toronto. Toronto's another uh, city that puts on a great game day product, and no one goes to watch it. And I wonder how much it's got to be frustrating for the people who work like that. But I don't know. It's not who knows that they're going to be sorted. I don't think it's for bigger heads than you and mine will ever figure out how to get people to go to games in Toronto and BC. But, but uh, it's uh, anyway, riders are going to need some help from BC if they. Uh, well, and do you really think they're going to? I mean, that's that's a tall order. Like six sacks. At, Force fumbles, you know. We'll the Riders with, may need some help from BC. May, may need some help. I think, I think Calgary's Calgary, gonna, Calgary plays BC in the final week. I think Calgary's going to win yeah. on Friday night. I just don't think Winnipeg's got the gumption or whatever it is to take to beat Calgary. And I'm not sure the Riders do yet. I still think Riders the, haven't proven that. No one, no one's proved. Of, of all the things that the Riders have done this season, the one thing that they have not done, and one thing they've not accomplished, is proven they can get over get over that Calgary yeah. hurdle. Um, that's the one unchecked box on their regular season. And it, nothing is going to, even if they finish ahead of Calgary in the standings, there'll still be that lingering, looming question. Can yeah. they beat the Calgary Stampeders? They lost 37 to 10 at home. Yeah. They, they lost 30 to 28 at McMahon Stadium. And they did all sorts of things to try and donate the game to the Stampeders and only lost by two. Yeah. So you can interpret that any way you want. Maybe that's a positive sign that a flawed performance still was nearly sufficient when it came to beating the Calgary Stampeders, but it's that's going to dog them until they can prove they can do it. And, they, and now if they get Calgary at home in the playoffs, it's yeah, a bit of a different scenario. But I'm not sure, Murr, that going to Calgary is a bad thing. Historically, mm-hmm. it hasn't proven to be. This Calgary team tends to get pretty high on itself pretty quickly. That's yeah. been there as successful as the Stampeders franchise has been since John Huffnagel has been there. There's been the tendency to blow it, and to uh, especially at home in the playoffs. If you look at if you look at 2010 in the, in the West Final, the Rough Riders went in there and won. You look 2013, the Riders won 35-13 in the exactly. West Final. Calgary can be had at McMahon Stadium in a West Final. It, they they tend to they fall in love with themselves a bit. So I'm not sure that finishing second is necessarily a disaster for the Rough Riders. They still get their home playoff game, and then they still get to go to Calgary, and where they've Proven they can already already proven they can be competitive now, and uh, all the whole, all the all the pressures on Calgary at that point, and that's it. I just I know this isn't the Calgary team that it's had before either. It's it's a very vulnerable Calgary what a group of football, team, football team. What a group of receivers too, though. That's a great receiver. They don't have a running back. I can't I can barely name who their running back is week to week, and I like their defense, but they're. They do have good receivers, and Bo Levi can throw that little intermediate pass and let them get yards after they catch it. Riders seem to have issues with. Well, they, they can't figure him out. Chris Jones had him figured out. Yeah. Chris Jones created all sorts of discomfort for Bo Levi Mitchell, and not necessarily with coverage, a lot of times with pressure. They just kept him off balance, and the Rough Riders this year have not been able to keep either Nick Arbuckle or Bo Levi Mitchell yeah. 
off balance. If you look at it in the uh, two games that the Rough Riders have played Calgary, I think Calgary's thrown a total of nine incompletions over those two games. <laughs> no, that's crazy. Riders have thrown more incompletions in each game than Calgary has thrown against the yeah. Rough Riders all season. And when they've tried blitzing, uh, especially this, this, the last game against Calgary, they tried blitzing and Bo Levi Mitchell ate it up and they pulled back on the pressure pretty quickly. And when they hung back, Bo Levi Mitchell just looked around and picked him apart. So if you're the Rough Riders, what do you do? You're facing Bo Levi Mitchell, and he's he's going to get you either way. It's, would you rather get hit by a truck or a bus the way he when he gets hot? Yeah, I'm just looking at the email here. The Calgary Stampeders signed Dexter McCoyle to the practice roster, and we remember he was pretty good with the Eskimos. He was a rookie year in 14, All Star 15, 16 before he headed off down to the states. And he was in a, a show about the Arena League that he was on one of these programs I watched. So. You know, with Corey Greenwood out, do they really have a middle? I think I'm assuming he played middle linebacker. Do they really have an outstanding middle linebacker? Some must mean Corey. So, you know, they're building themselves up for the playoff run. Dexter McCall can surely help, help yeah. them. I think the Riders is they need to stay healthy or reasonably healthy and, until they that have, point. Isn't that oh, because they're so deep? Knock wood and all those good things. They have been reasonably healthy. If you think about it. The way the season started with with Dan Clark could have been gone for the whole season based on that accident in early May, and he's back healthy. They've Brendan Labatt comes back and is playing at the same level he was last year before this hip stuff. Zach Evans, I don't know if he had his best game. He's got he's got to get a little. You know, he's had some rustiness, and they've lost. I don't know how long they're going to lose uh, Micah. He maybe will be back. You no, know, Philip Blake was out for a significant duration, yeah, and you minutes. can tell that he gives them some. Oh yeah, an element when they ran the ball, and uh, Philip yeah. Blake is on that offensive line. I, one of the William Powell's first rushes in that game, he well, Philip Blake took the unfortunate person who was uh, in his path and pretty much pushed him, pushed him out of the TV screen and perhaps somewhere to Vancouver Island. So <laughs> uh, that's yeah. a real that's nastiness a real... To, added to the offensive and line. Philip Blake, and I'll be honest with people, he's the least nasty guy you're ever going to talk to. He's very soft spoken, very kind, very funny, and I'm thinking. Man, you play. You sure different when you get on the field. It's kind of like Thaddeus Coleman. Thaddeus Coleman's another nice guy, but on the field he turns into this animal that just, you know, they want to beat up people and be nasty and that kind of stuff. And that's what you want along the, the offensive line. Interesting that Dakota Shepley, who is going to be your and I vote for the. Uh, I got to vote this year. No, you don't. It's a long story. I got to vote yesterday. Why don't I get a vote this year? A uh, long, long story we need to discuss. I need a vote. I well, voted we yesterday. We don't have enough. We don't have enough. Huh? There's only five. People to get votes for the for the FRC awards. Well, I want one. I've never had well, one. I get one. Okay. Oh, well, we'll discuss it. Off. We're we'll just dis- argue. We'll discuss it offline here. When we can, <laughs> I can explain to you a whole lot of stuff that's going on with that. But where were we? We're talking about. Oh, we're votes. talking about votes. Votes. <laughs> <laughs> but Dakota Shepley is going to be the hands-on winner for Rookie of the Year, I think. And on the team. On the team. Yeah, I don't think I don't know who's going to happen outside of that. But maybe, do you want to just run down the awards? Because sure, Cody Fajardo, most outstanding player. Oh, Charles, you think so? Charleston Hughes, three or four weeks ago, it was a, there was a really good debate to be had. Mm-hmm. Charleston Hughes or Cody Fajardo. Yeah. And Shaq Evans was almost on the periphery of that conversation, too. Yeah. Uh, Shaq Evans has had a couple of blah games in a row. Charleston Hughes has gone three games without a sack. And Cody Fajardo keeps being Cody Fajardo. Cody Fajardo's The even. debate now is, is Cody Fajardo the most outstanding player in the West Division? I think he is. I think you take – can you, you can't give it to Mike Riley because he's on – 
non-playoff team. Brian Burnham is the best candidate Bur- in, yes. in BC. And, and on a better team. On a better team, it's hands down. Although in 75, Willie Burton was named the most outstanding player in the league, and he played for a Calgary team that was awful. But he also rushed for 1,800 yeah, yards. How, how far is Burnham going to be at now? Is he about 16? He's, he's about 13, 14. 14 yeah, so. Brian Burnham's been tremendous. And, he, and that catch, that non-catch, might have been the greatest non-catch. But you could see his toes are on the line in that one that was they challenged and stuff. But. Ray Elgard made a one-handed catch in the mid-'90s that didn't count. It was, it was a touchdown that was called back. I think it was in Ottawa, and it was absolutely – it was like that. He just kind of speared the ball one-handed. Well, Duran Carter made a pretty nice one-handed catch. When but was but that one counted. That one counted, yes. Very true. Uh, where were we? So we had Cody – Fajardo and the, in the, the and West. The, the, Andrew, what's, what's going to drive that discussion yes, ultimately is what – is the decision made in Winnipeg? Winnipeg, Winnipeg can either decide it all for us, or, or the voters are all going to have to decide. But we're going to decide, and it's going to become a—I uh, hate to say it—a moral and ethical. What we decide: can a guy who got caught cheating be the best player in the league? And I waffle back and forth, and I can honestly say I don't think he can. I think it'd be a public relations nightmare for the CFL if Andrew Harris gets through. And becomes because all we're writing about them will be and talking about his PEDs and how can this happen under league. But it's not the voters' job to look out for the public interest, no, so who, public that, relations that, interest of the Canadian so who's, football. So whose job is it then? Who 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 decides this? So like, that's that's the part I wrestle with. So can the, the CFL has no rules for this, and they're standing back and letting the football reporters of Canada decide what's going to happen. This do I agree with that? I think it's kind of. BS a little bit. I think the CFL, it's their rules. Well, they've, they've done all they can do as far as issuing yeah. discipline to Andrew Harris. They suspended him for two games. Yeah. That's the extent to which the CFL should be inv- involved. If they start dictating to the voters who should yeah. and shouldn't shouldn't be uh, voting or voted upon or voted for, then I think the FRC's got larger issues because you've got Big Brother trying yeah. to uh, decree. But th- that, that's when you open another can of worms on this can of worms and on this can of worms what, what do we do what does the frc do and as i said the balls in winnipeg's court balls on winnipeg's side of the field if they let if he gets out of winnipeg and willie jefferson is, is a decent is candidate, a decent candidate he's absolutely. cooled off a little bit lately they all too. kind of cool off a little bit but andrew harris if you look at the the raw numbers there and the kind of season he has had and um, i thought he kind of cooled off after the they came back but no he hasn't he had the 146 yard he had 200 yards and one Combined yards in one game, you just Winnipeg is kind of cool. What's, yeah, what's changed is they've stopped winning or yeah. virtually stopped winning. They stopped but it. that's going to be interesting if Andrew Harris's name is up there. Then you, oh, it, boy. then you, there's a real debate there. But yeah. sometimes if you have to ask the question, you know the answer. If you're thinking about it, hmm, mm, is yeah. that is this the right thing to do? I think the mere introduction of the question sometimes allows you to get to the answer. So if you've got Andrew Harris and you're thinking, well, and you've got Cody Fajardo who's had this kind of year. And even if you talk about uh, Brian Burnham, Reggie Bagleton in in Calgary is having a, I finally figured out the difference between Bagleton and Breskison. It took me me a while. They look uh, alike too. (laughs) They're body, same body types. But uh, that's the thing. If you've got the the absolute spotless Cody Fajardo and then you've got the, the, the candidacy of Andrew Harris when you take that suspension into consideration. That's a really interesting and there could be three stages to that debate. The first there's the first one's in Winnipeg yeah. where they decide if he's the candidate coming out. I don't see how they can't put his name forward for most outstanding Canadian. Yep. And so that's gonna be a debate regardless, but most outstanding player. Uh, if if he doesn't come out of Winnipeg is that this I don't know. even know who Winnipeg has a Canadian. I don't I don't I don't know. That's you know follow that. Well Adam Walatarski would be a yeah. decent choice. Yeah but he's no Andrew no. Harris. 
You know, you move on from there. So the rookie for the Riders, I think, in is Dakota. I think we started with Dakota. You go to Shapley. Uh, Lyman, some some words have come up, some discussion about Thaddeus Coleman. I think it's Dan Clark. I think it's walk. Dan Clark. Just everything he's, oh, he's done and overcome and just played every game. And I think he's better. And I'm gonna, I think he's a better center this year than he has been ever before. And he may be even at an all-star caliber. Because there's got to be some reason why the quarterback's doing so well. And then uh, Canadian, we said Cameron Judge. I don't think that's it. There's really no contest on that one. And special teams is going to probably be the biggest wrinkle because I know John Ryan's averaging and all those doing all these kind of things. 50.1 yards a punt. He's shattering a rider record that has stood since 1983. Okay, but. This is easy. Yeah, well, I don't know. I'm looking at his net punt yards. The fact he's got 12 or 13 Is it his fault that people can't cover kicks? I, I think there was a, there was one punt routine they had returned for a touchdown where the riders were called for no yards and they still couldn't stop the returner. So how does yeah. John Ryan be be penalized? Well, for the problem the fact is there's nobody units are aren't really in that John's great. defense. There's nobody on special teams. And Brett Lowther hasn't had that type of season. No. One of the one of the uh, young guys, special teams players, Gagnier Chevy. I always get them mixed up. Is leading the team in special teams tackles. Might be Gagne. John John Ryan's averaging fifty point one yards a yeah. punt. But I so, mean, it's so it's really very, no vote in your mind. He's done that. Louis Pasagli has done that, and he's about to do it again. That's league history as far as fifty, as okay. far as 50 so yards. So we got punt. MOP, defensive, Canadian, lineman. Defensive is Charleston Hughes. Char- Charleston Hughes, Ryan, and... Uh, he's going to pick it up, though. I know. I mean, Charleston Hughes is hitting but that they, same wall that he did yeah. last year, not uh, not for the same duration necessarily. But he's been stuck on 15 sacks for a few weeks now. Yeah. It hasn't prevented the Rough Riders from exerting pressure, and perhaps the fact that opponents have to pay attention to Charleston Hughes is liberate, liberating for other members of the defense. They got six sacks last week against I BC, but Charleston Hughes has stopped sacking the quarterback, as he did this time of year last year. Cause but for I concern? Still think of, I think a little bit of concern, but I think Derek Moncrief has kind of cooled off a little bit too. And but it's Charleston let, Hughes. Let's throw Mike Edom in the mix. Adam. Is it Adam, isn't it? Adam, yes. So Mike Adam in the mix. He had an amazing game against the Lions. He had those two forced fumbles. He covers everyone. People in the league talk about him. They talk about where he is on defense. So and is he the most outstanding Canadian then? That's a, I know, is, that's, it, is it absolutely a lock for Cameron Judge? Because Mike Adams become a really good safety. He really he was a really good safety last year. That was a great signing. And he's he's a good guy. He, people in the locker room follow him and they don't they they respect him. And you know, I'm kind of. And his segment on CKRM each week with Derek Taylor is hilarious. Yeah, does he do one? Sorry. Yes, every Monday. Oh, okay. I wonder why he was on every Monday. Have but he's very smart and he's, he's very intelligent and he's a great safety and he, he can move up into the box to cover the run. He, moves, he blitzes. He's and a leader. He's a leader. That's what. What Cam Judge has done though has been steady over this steady over the whole season. And Jason Shivers really uses him yeah. well. And when he has sacked the quarterback, there's been nobody between Cameron Judge or the quarterback. They, yeah. they just find ways to, to free him up schematically, and that's not generally good news for the limbs or the well-being yeah. of the quarterback. So let's put all these guys together, and they're in Edmonton on Saturday night. What are you thinking? Trevor Harris is back. That makes yeah, things a, interesting. But the Eskimos, are they, they could win by 50 or lose by 50. It doesn't really... So it is, it doesn't have, they're weird. They're flaky. And, and who knows what uh, you're going to get out of them. And who knows what they're playing for. Because they know exactly where they're going to be yeah. the first, the so second Sunday of October. Too, I wonder how or November. hard that is to... You know, you talk about the game in front of you and all that stuff. And you're watching who's, who played on the week in Toronto. And uh, who Toronto play? They played Ottawa, didn't they? Yeah, maybe. No. No. Hamilton? Toronto played... <laughs> I can't even. But I Ottawa just, played Hamilton. 
And Toronto would have. Well, who cares? Whatever. Toronto played Montreal, 27-24. So neither team could do anything in the standings. Like the Argos are thinking about next year, and the Alouettes are thinking about the playoffs. So I wonder, they're professionals. You've got to play the game. But how hard do you play the game? And I know I just answered my question. But well, that's I, I think you're playing hard, but do you play it with how much passion like, do you and, play? And how many guys, and how you watch it go, oh, I hope a guy doesn't get hurt, like tear up a knee or something like that. And you're watching, you kind of cross your fingers, and that's the kind of stuff. But, you know, and as the CFL, it's, that's what happened this year. Everything was kind of locked up earlier than traditionally, other than the playoff positioning that's going on right now, but the playoffs were done. And maybe next year it'll be better. How do you know? I mean, the CFL did all they could. They dispensed yep. with the interlocking games during during the final month of the season, and they made everything divisional. And they got into these Saturday and, triple And headers. so you think, okay, this has – and a few – during the summer, you were looking at Riders Edmonton for the final two weeks thinking, that's going to be really good because yep. Edmonton played reasonably well in the, early in the season. Yep. But after that, it's like there really hasn't been much reason to hype these games. And – you just here's one for you. Who takes more undisciplined penalties over these next two games? The That's two teams that have such a penchant yes. for taking penalties that make people slap their foreheads. These are two teams. That, the Riders need to get that under control. Yeah. If there's one thing that the Riders haven't done well under Craig Dickinson, other than not beat Calgary, yeah. it's get these undisciplined penalties under control. Can yeah. you just can you flip that switch? I don't that know how you do that suddenly. So how many of them are? Aggressive plays, being too aggressive. Like, you don't want to take away aggressiveness. You don't want to take stupidity. But, time but I mean, count- Thaddeus Coleman gets a 15-yard unnecessary rushing I penalty. That, I mean, what, what is that? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. But that's the Edmonton Eskimos. That's what they do, too. That's, that's their forte. They do that with far greater frequency. Yeah. And that's been their tendency as long as Jason Moss has been there. So who's a better coach in your mind, Dickinson or Jason Moss? Oh, there's no contest. <laughs> that's... Yeah. that's uh, there's something to be said. Who's for, better looking, me or Tom Selleck, right? There's something like, to be said for that calm demeanor on the like, – and I, what I really like, and this is another tangent I'm taking off, Craig Dickinson lets his guys do their jobs. He doesn't – you can hear, oh, I, I'm, we get together, the coordinators and I, and we decide who's going to play. They do the, I don't make that call. That's the coordinator's call. I don't make this call. And I just – I like that. And Chris Jones was pretty good at doing that too, except, he, except on defense. But Craig Dickinson understands that these guys – are paid to do their jobs and let them do their jobs, and then we can see where we are at the end of the night. I really like that. I, I think that's what Craig Dickinson has done. Well, with with Chris Jones, though, what effect did he have upon Stephen McAdoo? Because if you look yeah. at the Stephen McAdoo offense this year compared to last year, no Chris Jones. Has he given him better person? A little bit better person. Does, does, does Stephen McAdoo have better personnel at his, his disposal, or does he have more autonomy, or no, both? Or no Duran Carter? Kind of mixing things well, up for a little bit. That was halfway through the season they got rid of him, but that was that was I think that was a distraction. And I still think that what they pulled with Zach Kolaris in the West semifinal last year, whether he's going to play or not, and not going to play, was a distraction for the team. I think, looking back in hindsight, I think that the team were uncomfortable with that being forced to uh, lie about whether Zach was going to play. You, I, I remember Labatt and Cam Marshall sitting at the front of the uh, podium that day. Not looking at us. I know it doesn't have any relation to stuff, but but they played that unnecessary game with a quarterbacking late in the year. And yeah. the fact that Did you can look at it, a... you can look at it now and say, okay, the, the last thing the Rough Riders have to be concerned concerned with going into the playoffs is quarterbacking. Yeah. Even if Zach Kalaros had played, this is a Zach Kalaros with nine touchdown passes, thirteen interceptions, and yeah. and uh, you know just 
being as ordinary as ordinary can be. Now you've got a quarterback who's an MOP wow. uh, in the MOP conversation. So Stephen McAdoo, I think, has benefited from – Jeremy O'Day has certainly done Stephen McAdoo some favors when you look yeah. at the the, uh, the the players he's given them. I think patience has paid off for, for the Rough Riders too because Shaq Evans is a different player than he was last year. Kyron Moore is a better player than he yeah. was last year. So – J.W. And Jordan Roosevelt staying healthy, which he yeah. has not done, had not done ever, ever, right? <laughs> and Jordan Williams Lambert hasn't quite been utilized yet. I, I don't think. get this one at all. I don't think. I don't know why where, is he playing inside. He's got to be inside. The most effective a guy can be is even if Arsenal was playing and JW's on the sideline, Arsenal can't be that effective outside like that. Corey Watson. Someone's, is, Corey Watson's quietly had a good year, but yeah. why can't? Corey what? Watson play outside. Move Joe. Move, move, move Jordan Williams Lambert, Lambert inside. He caught only two passes last week while playing a wide receiver most of the time. Yeah. The two passes he caught were, were while he was playing slot back. So I don't. The I don't rest understand. of the time, it's just why do why why pay Jordan Williams Lambert the kind of money that they are paying yeah. him and and why resign maybe, him for that duration if you're not going to put him in these an next optimal, two games optimal gonna, position to succeed? Maybe these next two games are going to blow him out. It's, interesting point. As I was going to mention this said after the game in. Uh, Vancouver, Mike Adam challenged me. He says, what did you think would happen when you saw Zach Claris go down and Cody Fajardo came on the field? He says, you wrote us off. And I said, I didn't write you off. I was pretty doubtful that what was going to happen with this team. I didn't think things were going to – and he'd start, hey, McCormick didn't think that Cody Fajardo could step up and play. And I'm going, I don't think I was alone. <laughs> no. So I kind of – The Rough Riders. Uh, because rough going riders. into the Ottawa game the following week, they were, we're talking about a quarterback Isaac rotation. Isaac Parker, yeah. So if, if, they, if, there, if there was this unyielding – unwavering belief in Cody Fajardo, why was there even the mere introduction of the possibility exactly. of so a quarterback I a, tandem? And sometimes, and I'll be, I mean, as a reporter, after games you try to avoid being confrontational with players because they're still pretty emotional. And you can get into some ugly situations. Not saying it can happen, but you don't. So, And it's not our job to believe in these guys No, either. it's not. It's not my job to do that. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I don't know why yeah. there would be that assumption that no. we're there to wave the pom-poms. They all, and they all them. think we're fans, and I'm not a fan. I honestly admit I'm not a fan of the – I'm a reporter. I, I, do I like the – is life better when they win? Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with that. The bottom line is I know people – you cheer for the story. That's what we all cheer for. We want a good story, a good game, and good games and winning and playoff runs and winning and losing streaks all produce good stories. So that's what we I, mean, I had for. season tickets for 40 years. So draw your years. own conclusions from that. I've <laughs> written 3.2 books about the Rough Riders. So draw your own conclusions from that as far as my interest in the Rough Riders. But we're not there to be cheerleaders for the team. Certainly not looking like this. So <laughs> we call it as we see it. We're not there to, to have faith in these, in these players. That's no. not our job. That's for the coaches. That's for management. But that's for the board. it's our job to doubt them. It's, it's, our, our, job. it's, our, job. it's our job when they do well to promote that too. Exactly. But if there's skepticism, I mean, part of part of a columnist's job is to certainly be a skeptic, perhaps a cynic, perhaps a yeah. curmudgeon. But it's not our job to, oh, we believe in you. Yeah. And I remember when, when um, Darian Durant got hurt in, uh, in Winnipeg. Yeah. And I wrote them off immediately. I mean, this season's over. Play taps, RIP, it's done. And I got so many emails saying, oh, you don't believe in Tino Sinceri. No. Well, A, it's not my job to believe in Tino Sinceri, but B... They're done. They're done. They're, yeah. they're finished. And my, my other suggestion was trade for Henry Burris, and that created a bit of a, a stir. Well, if they, if they had been able to trade for Henry Burris, and, and Brennan Tamman certainly tried to do so, they might have five Grey Cup championships no. instead of four. You don't think Kerry Joseph was the answer? <laughs> he was in 2007. So, yeah. I mean, it's not our job to, to, 
to okay come on boys we can do it that's that's 1940s 1950s stuff and it uh despite my wardrobe which is ancient mm-hmm. it's actually 2019 um anyway do we have anything else to discuss we didn't get any questions this week i um, have something very important to discuss we do well, have a new room do, do you have a new book I have a new book. It's What's called it called? A hundred things every Rough Rider fan should know and do before they die. And how close are you to being that fan that dies? <laughs> <laughs> well, judging judging by my introduction when I barely warbled it out, uh, 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 very close. So but. maybe you can tell me. Uh, I asked last week. I asked you for some. How to, give me a a, fi- a tidbit that someone's going to read about that and say, "Huh, I don't. I didn't know that." Riders won the Great Cup in 2013. That's the first chapter. Okay, uh, I like that start. I think that that's picking up on a well, high. Well, you know what? There's a really cool little story in there. Without giving away too much, too much of the contents of the book, I didn't know this until I talked to Darian Durant about yeah. it. Um, after the game, there was the prolonged celebration, as you would expect, and then Darian went home, got changed, and joined the mob on the Green Mile. Yeah, that's mob so cool. of people on the Green Mile, and very inconspicuously, he wasn't walking around going, "Hey, look at me! I'm Darian yep. Durant. I just won a great cup." He just wanted to experience it. He just wanted to immerse himself in it, and there were people. Who, some of whom through blurry eyes, uh, looked at him and said, and "He goes, yeah, that's me." But but he wasn't out and about trying to trying to celebrate himself. He wanted to celebrate with the fans. That I'd never until I talked to Darian, I didn't know that that he'd actually yeah. gone and joined the, the mass of people. When I was reading that tidbit or that chapter, thinking this is an intensely private guy. Like I remember once I saw him at a movie theater, and he kind of had his hoodie up. He was like trying to hide and he looked at me and I looked at him and I could tell that he, he didn't want to be recognized. I said, hi. I said, hi. That was our extent of... <laughs> so that's pretty cool to see that he would do that. And it tells you how much that game he meant, how much the fans he meant to him. And I would bet if they win a great cup here or in that great cup, Cody Fajardo would do the same thing. <laughs> Could you imagine Cody Fajardo if they win a great cup? Could oh, you man. imagine I mean, I mean what he would, his presence in the community, but just the the iconic status, the, the degree degree to which he's revered here already. Yeah. If he goes and wins, and this is after 15 starts, if he goes and wins a great cup here right away, like, but there ju- might be a third statue outside Mosaic yeah. Stadium. But, you know, maybe, I think we're jumping a little ahead of that one. I think we still have to see what he does. But I think, yeah, it would be, he's an incredible. I, I was thinking that when I was watching his press conference and listening to everything and re-listening last night. I've never experienced a guy like this in my time in the CFL. Some receivers a little bit. J.Y. Simon, these guys are pretty good, but not – like, he's the same. He, they lose. He comes out. He's frustrated. Against the Lions, he was frustrated, and he lets his feelings grow. And I've never seen a quarterback handle himself like Cody. And I'm kind of looking forward to the next couple of years. I think it'll be a lot of fun getting to know this young man and his wife. And it sounds like he may want to live here. We'll see what happens there. That'll be a big change. To have we'll a see what, what his first exposure to a Saskatchewan winter when the alternative yes, well, that, that is, cl- is California. Well, I don't know where he lives in the. We don't because well, she, she's in Georgia. She, she's in Washington working on yeah. her master's. Yeah, so she's his wife uh, Laura. Yeah, and so. his dad stuff. So anyway, I think we've covered just about every spot so, except. So we, our new room, by I, the way, the, we have moved to a different part of the building. This is our yeah. first day in a different locale in nineteen uh, sixty four Park Street. So as time goes by we will have a much sharper background uh than we do right now but this is our uh, new podcast room and uh yep. we get a lot of questions about the old decor that looked like somebody's rumpus room from the 1950s I'm or 60s miss that rumpus room decor I yeah kinda, well, uh, all, all that it was missing were cigarette holders and a hi-fi so that's right that's send true. us off Mur. all right if you enjoy the podcast and why wouldn't you please leave a review and a five-star rating it helps us grow the podcast 
You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to send us a question, you can email Rob at rvanstone at postmedia.com and we'll read it on the show for sure. You can follow Rob at Twitter at Rob Vanstone or me at Murray LP and can I throw it in? Day 68, a great cup fit up. That's 68 consecutive days of tra- travel and workout. I was at six, morning. and then it was election day yesterday, and I spent the whole day watching the election. So now today will be day one. That's all. You, well, of make a day fat yeah. up. I'm so. just. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty proud of myself. I'm pretty proud of the community I've been part of, and it's been a lot of fun. And hopefully, all the way to the great cup. Well done. Like your steak. <laughs> uh, for Murray McCormick, I'm Rob Vanstone, and uh, thanks as well to producer Mark Melnichuk for uh, listening to us for this long. Uh, we'll do this again next week with uh, number 74. Yeah. Wow. Number 74. For Murray McCormick, I'm Rob Vanstone. Thanks again. Take care.